Today on Blue 58, the Packers should be doing some looking ahead to 2023 if they haven't started already. So let's do the same. Who is likely to be here for the next season? And what players should the Packers be building around for 2023 and beyond? Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. I figure we should start exploring the realities of the 2023 Packers roster. But first I wanted to take a good question, kind of about the show itself, uh, from Mark Borchart fanboy in our Discord server. Mark, not his real name, but just shortening his username there. Writes, John, is it more challenging to come up with new content when the Packers are struggling? Is it more challenging mentally? The answer might actually surprise you as we do this show. And I think for me, the answer is no. When the Packers are struggling, I think it's actually easier to come up with some stuff. Because you have a lot more of a clear runway for taking off and getting into shows. You can say, hey, this is where the Packers need to be working on things. This is what isn't going right. And it's all fair game when it's not going well. When it is going well, and you want to talk about things the Packers could be doing differently or things they want to talk about for the future or think about, things like that, I think it can come across as sour grapes a lot of times. For instance, one of the most challenging seasons for me was the 2019 season. For one thing, I was unemployed for a lot of that season. So trying to get a new job while take care of our brand new baby and do this was a bit of a challenge. And it was just, it was, it was a slog getting through all of that at once. But on top of that, the Packers were winning, but they were doing it by winning a lot of close games. And there were some really significant weaknesses with that 2019 Packers team, but nobody really wanted to hear about it because new coach, bunch of new free agents. You had Zadaria Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner, all coming aboard that season. Rashawn Gary was an exciting draft pick. Darnell Savage there for the first time. You know, it was it was an exciting team. And if you wanted to talk about things that weren't going well, people got mad at you. And that season ended up not finishing up all that well for the Packers. Pretty embarrassing loss to the NFC or in the NFC Championship game to the the 49ers. But, you know, that season was a challenge because of of how that season played out. This year I think it's been a lot more interesting because talking about problems and how you fix them is is interesting to me, especially as it pertains to this Packers roster. And I wanted to start talking about, or I wanted to start with this question because of, of that very thing. Because a lot of the problems the Packers have dovetail perfectly with my one of my favorite topics to weigh in on uh, and, to, and to think about. And that's roster construction, team building. Who do you acquire and when? What roster moves could have gone differently? What should you be thinking about as you go forward? Because that is really the sum total of why the Packers are where they are. And why the last few seasons, I think, have gone the way they have. You could talk about their performance in big games and things like that, and that's that's all a big part of it. But ultimately, what's going to affect your performance in those big games is, um, is your players. And having more good players and how you get them all together is a big part of how your your team is going to perform in a given year. So looking back, 2020, 
2021, 20, you know, now 2022, the, the Packers and their roster have, you know, come together in a certain way that has affected their performance in each of those seasons. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about the Jordan Love pick and how that could have played out differently, but there's been scores of other roster moves too. And the Packers at this particular point have some key decisions to make for 2023 and beyond. So to answer Mark's question there, no, it's it's not more difficult in a challenging situation. And it actually, the, the big challenge is making sure that we get to everything. Mark is the pers- perfect qu- person to ask this question because he was harping on uh, politely in uh, in our Discord server, uh, Darnell Savage for a long time, I think before anybody else really was was talking about that. Darnell Savage has not been having a great season, but there were so many other things going on that we didn't really address it on the podcast for probably longer than we should have. We let that slide longer than we should have. And eventually we talked about it and the Packers made some changes and Rudy Ford did what Rudy Ford did and Darnell Savage continues to struggle and blah, blah, blah. So that's really the big challenge to make sure you get to everything. Now you can still talk about interesting things while things aren't going well. And I think even when things aren't going well, you can you can be an interested Packers fan in a lot of what's going on because there are moves happening right now that are going to affect the future. I have brought this up before, uh, but Robert Tunyon was signed very late in the 2017 season. He was on the practice squad for the last four games of 2017. Now here we are in 2022, five seasons later, he's a big part of the Packers offense. There will be similar moves happening here between now and the end of the season. Guys that could be part of the season or part of the team in 2023, 2024, and beyond are going to just start to, start to get a chance now. That's interesting. And watching that process is always going to be interesting. And uh, my job, um, even if I'm interested in this stuff, is to get you to care about it too. So that is my, my challenge as we go into these next couple episodes uh, starting with this one. Before we dive into that subject, though, I wanted to give a, a couple of shout outs to a few new Patreon supporters. We've gotten kind of a, a little mini wave here of, of Patreon, new Patreon supporters. So shout out today to Michael C., Sean T., Pat, Mike Kostelnik, Chris Schmidt, and Mighty Dave. Each of them have joined our Patreon here in the last two, three weeks or so. So thank you to each of you for your support. And and if you've been thinking about uh, joining up with our, our Patreon and hopping into the Discord server, I'd say now is the perfect time to do it. You're going to have time around Thanksgiving. We've got a few weeks left in the regular season. And then we're going to start talking about offense or off-season stuff uh, whenever the Packers season comes to an end, whether that's in the playoffs, it's unlikely as that may be, or whether it's at the end of, of week 18. So we will talk about that in the in the near future. And I would encourage you, uh, head to patreon.com slash thepowersweep, chip in any dollar amount that you feel comfortable with, and, and join us in the Discord server. It's a great place to hang out with Packers fans from all over the world. Okay, looking at the Packers offense, I would like to spend one episode this week and one episode next week talking about just the players and where they stand for the next couple of years. I think if you look at the Packers roster, you can sort every player on the roster right now into one of three buckets. Guys that are building blocks, guys that are short-term players, and guys that are probably done after this year. Guys that are building blocks are teams that are players that you're going to want to be building around for the foreseeable future. Guys that are going to be foundational pieces of your offense, or, well, I guess in this case, the offense. Next week, it'll be the defense. Those are the players that you're going to want to construct your team thinking about. How do we serve the skills of those players? And how do they help us in relation to other players? 
Pretty straightforward, right? Guys that are short-term players are, are guys that are either going to be done next year or whenever their their contract comes to an end, 2023, 2024. Guys that the Packers aren't going to keep around beyond the end of their current contract if they even make it to the end there. And then guys that are done after this year are guys that are just not going to be on the team in 2023. Seems like three pretty easily understood categories. So let's work through every position on the Packers offense. Some of the guys that we mentioned, by the way, are going to not be on the 53-man roster right now. That is the case in particular as it pertains to the offense for Jake Hansen and Caleb Jones, but we'll touch on that when we get to those guys. So starting with quarterbacks, we got to take a pass right off the bat because Aaron Rodgers, it's kind of up to him. Does he want to be a short-term player? Does he want to be a foundational piece for the next couple of years? We can't really say for sure. It's up to Aaron Rodgers. So we'll just take a pass on that. We'll put him on the shelf and come back to it right now. Jordan Love, I would say as of this moment, is a short-term player because he's got next season and his fifth-year option, and we really don't know beyond that. It's going to depend on some factors out of his control as to whether the Packers take a look at him beyond his rookie contract. There's a long way to go for right now. So at least for 2023, I would consider him a, a fairly short-term player. You're, you're not looking at him as a, a building block for the future of the team. That having been said, it's weird for me to say this, but at least we have Jordan Love for 2023. It's weird that he's any sort of fallback consolation for me. But look at it this way. If Rodgers plays next year, well, that's that. Your decision is probably made on Jordan Love because are you really going to dive in and and think too deeply about his his fifth year if you know you're heading into year five and you haven't even seen him play really I think you just got to move on at that point. If Rodgers doesn't retire or move on or wherever he ends up, we're going to get a good look, good look at Jordan Love in 2023, and that'll probably be all the answer we need. If nothing else, 2023 is going to give us an answer on Jordan Love. Some of that is in his control, some of it isn't, but we're going to get an answer one way or another on Jordan Love. At running back, I think Aaron Jones is done after this year. We've talked at length about his contract and all other things being equal. I think they, they're going to move on after this season. I think there is a possibility that if the Packers don't keep Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers retires, there is a situation where the Packers rework Aaron Jones' contract and keep him around for a year or two more there's a pretty clear decision point on when that's going to happen though, because he has a $7 million roster bonus due on March 19, 2023. So a decision on Aaron Jones' future with the Packers is going to happen before then, because the Packers would rather not cut a $7 million check for a guy that is not going to be on the roster in 2023. Makes sense? I would think so. A.J. Dillon, elsewhere on the Packers running back depth chart, I think he's a short-term player too. I don't think the Packers are in a rush to re-sign A.J. Dillon long-term. Here in year three, it's not going super well. This has not been the year that I think we expected from from A.J. Dillon. I expected, I predicted a big year out of him. I thought 1,000 yards wasn't outside the realm of possibility. It's not going to be close. We're not in any danger of getting to 1,000 yards for A.J. Dillon. And as far as his long-term future... If I had to decide right now, I would say absolutely not on a second contract for Aaron Dr- or A.J. Dillon. And I think we really need to see how 2023 goes before we make any decisions on the future. I don't think the Packers are going to try to get A.J. Dillon done before the end of next season. They want to make sure that he gets through, through, through 2023 healthy and he plays at a higher level than he has in 2022. Patrick Taylor, to finish things off, I think is done after this year. And I say that as a pretty big Patrick Taylor fan. I don't think 
that they view him as a building block piece for their future. They were pretty casual about cutting Kylan Hill, and they were pretty high on him, even if he was making, you know, things difficult behind the scenes for whatever reason. He was still a draft pick, and they had no problem moving on. I think you can still find, you know, third-string running backs pretty easily, and Tyler Goodson is still kicking around there somewhere, so they probably have some options there uh, as well. At wide receiver, things get a little tricky at the top of the depth chart. Because I don't know what you do with Alan Lazard. I think if you really held my feet to the fire, I would say this is probably it for Alan Lazard here in Green Bay. But I say that because I don't really know what he is. He's one of those players that means more to you than he does to other teams. But what is that what does that translate to dollar wise? What do you do with him? He's an unrestricted free agent after this year. What does a contract for Alan Lazard even look like? Because he does some useful receiver things, but he's not a guy who's going to win a ton of one-on-one matchups. He has some great physical tools, but he also has some physical limitations. He can block well, but he's not really a tight end either. So what does that mean? The Packers clearly like his skill set, and they don't have anybody else really like him. They try to do... Alan Lazard type things with other guys and nobody can really do it quite as well as he can. He's a useful player for the Packers, but what does that translate to in terms of contract? And on top of that, I don't have a good grasp on the wide receiver market anyway. I've used this analogy before, but shopping at the wide receiver store is like going into one of those stores where the items don't have price tags on them. Not that I hang out in those sorts of establishments all that much, but it's one of those situations where you have have to ask, if you have to ask how much something ta- costs, you probably can't afford it anyway. And I think that that's almost the situation with Lazard and every pending free agent receiver. He's worth whatever somebody is willing to pay him. The market could be really high. The market could evaporate and change really quickly. But if you have to ask you're probably out of the market anyway. If you're really going to be pinching pennies on receivers, probably best to just not shop at that store anyway. The Packers are going to need more than one receiver next year anyway, just given who they have under contract. I'm not sure Alan Lazard is really the difference maker in that group. Continuing down the initial depth chart to start this year, Sammy Watkins, I think, is done after this year. All signs are indicating he's probably done right now. The Packers released a new depth chart today that has him behind Samari Touré. He's probably wide receiver five right now. I don't think we need to waste any more time on Sammy Watkins on this podcast or on the football team. Randall Cobb would say he's done after this year too, and he's been good. But I think if you're looking at the long-term future of the Packers offense, he's at at best a short-term player. If push comes to shove, he's probably not on the roster in 2023, given what the Packers cap situation is going to look like. The rest of the receivers, we don't have to spend a lot of time on either, because Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samori Touré are all building block sorts of players. The first three, mind you, that we've come to as we've gone through this discussion, they're the first three guys that I would feel any amount of comfort building around for the future. Christian Watson obviously has otherworldly physical gifts. Inconsistent though he's been, you know, performance-wise, 
understandable. Inconsistent though he's been uh, from an injury standpoint, I mean, that's understandable too. He has physical tools, the likes of which you almost never see. That level of speed, that level of explosiveness, that leaping ability in that frame is just rare. So hemming and hawing about some of those other things, yeah, it's understandable, but there are just not that many guys out there built like Christian Watson. He's going to be a building block for this franchise going forward. Same with Romeo Dobbs. He doesn't quite have the physical gifts that Watson does, but he's clearly a a skilled receiver. He's going to be around through the balance of his rookie deal, and that's going to be three years down the road at least. You can build around him for the future. And Teray, I think, is a good barometer player. If you're better than him, if you've got somebody who's better than him, you're on to something. If you can't be at least as good as Samori Ture, well, I don't think you should be on the roster anyway. Those kinds of guys are useful to have around. They, they tell you a lot about the strength of your team. And Ture, if he ends up being the Packers' third wide receiver next year, I think they're in, in fairly good shape. You'd like some more depth there too, but that's a problem for a different day. Those three guys are core members of the Packers' receiving group going forward, and I think you're pretty okay with that. At tight end, a couple of hard questions. First, Mercedes Lewis. He says he wants to play next year because he wants to break the record for most seasons played by a tight end. I think he's back, and it's a question of why not as much as why, but he's a short-term sort of player. He's not a, a foundational piece of your team going forward. Not a lot of upside, but also not a lot of downside either. Known commodities are never bad, and Mercedes Lewis, you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. I think if it was up to me right now, I'd bring him back for 2023, whatever next season is. Robert Tunyon gets to be an interesting question, though. Because if you really stuck it to me, I would say he's probably done after this year. I'm not in a rush to re-sign him because he's not going to get top-of-market free agent money. But he's probably going to want a fairly significant amount of guaranteed money, given that he's 28 right now and... This is probably his last or only big swing at free agency. I think you could do worse than Tunyon, but I think you could also do a lot better. So I would probably let him test the market, and if he thinks he can get a big free agent deal and does, eh, good for him. You can probably find another Robert Tunyon without looking all that hard. It's not to say he's not a good player. There are other players that are about as good as Robert Tunyon. Josiah DeGuara, I think, is is very similar to A.J. Dillon. It's not that he doesn't have good physical tools, and I would say DeGuara, relative to his position, is probably having a better year than Dillon is. But, I mean, what is the what is this, the ceiling for Josiah DeGuara? Kind of a, a hybrid fullback tight end, H-back sort of deal, pretty decent lead blocker a guy who could probably stand to be a little bit more involved in the offense, but doesn't really give you a whole lot that you're like, yes, this is absolutely something we should be doing with him either. You could do worse, but you could also do better. I don't think I'm in a rush to bring him back either. So another short-term sort of guy. Tyler Davis, kind of in that same boat. Probably somebody you wouldn't hesitate to replace if you could, but he's a known commodity. He gives you high effort snaps on special teams, and he's just a restricted free agent next spring, so you give him the lowest tender and call it good. If he doesn't come back, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. If he does, fine, 
we're going to have roster competition in training camp anyway. Short-term player there. The offensive line. Might as well start with the big one here. And let's talk through all the tackles while we're there. David Bakhtiari is a short-term guy unless he retires. And this may be it for him anyway because his cap number goes way up next year. It's a $13.4 million hit this year, up to $29 million next year. If he was completely healthy, you wouldn't think twice about it because he's only going to be 32 for next year. And if he's playing at a high level, you just restructure that $29 million deal, kick a little bit more cap stuff down the road, and you don't worry about it. You've got an elite tackle. Just keep him around. With all the injury stuff, we got to have some long, hard conversations this offseason. He really has to know where he's at physically. I think he's got to know what he wants. And then you talk from there. But it's starting. To, it's going to start to get really expensive to have him around. And it's just the way things go sometimes. But that contract has ended up being a pretty serious albatross for the Packers, which is a real bummer because Bakhtiari not only earned and deserved that contract at the time, but he would have been worth it had he been healthy too. And the Packers are probably in at least one more Super Bowl if he is healthy. Sportsman. Elsewhere on the offensive line, Yash Nyman, a short-term player to be sure, but that's only because you got a window to decide on him. He's a restricted free agent next spring. Tender him. If somebody offers you a second-round pick for him, I think you, you're saying, fine, that's great, good for you. Uh, we'll take that second-round pick. And then you, if you don't, you bring him back and decide during next year if you want to extend him. And you probably will because starting caliber offensive tackles with his physical tools are pretty rare, and you got one, so you might as well keep him around. Fellow tackle Luke Tenuta, raise your hand if you knew that he was on the roster. We talked about him briefly and haven't since. I think he's probably done with the Packers after this year because they've got two other prospects on the offensive line at tackle Rasheed Walker and Caleb Jones. Both short-termers, I think you wait and see next year. They could be foundational pieces going forward, but I think we're, we're a year away from figuring that out. Walker hasn't really gotten much play. He's been active, I think, for two games off the top of my head. But really, he's just kind of redshirting this year. Next year is going to be the really, is he a building block or is he just a guy that we're having around because he had some physical tools and played in a big program? Caleb Jones, nothing to add here other than what in the world is going on with his illness. He went on the non-football injury list with some illness of some sort on October 1st. And he hasn't been heard from since. The Packers really haven't talked about it. What's the deal there? Just sort of a curious sort of situation. I'm not saying there's anything nefarious going on. But it's weird. It is strange. And uh, I hope we get an answer at some point just because I'm curious. Those are the tackles. At center, Josh Myers, I think, is is kind of in that A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara sort of camp. Short-term player, because you're kind of in the assessment phase right now with Myers. If you believe and, and look at some of the, the stuff that some of the tape grinders out there are saying, you know, Andy Herman, Ben Fennel, uh, Rich Madrid for, for Acme Packing Company, Tyler Brook for Acme Packing Company, looking at the stuff they're asking Myers to do, they're putting a lot on his plate this year. He's he's being asked to make some really challenging insanely tough blocks this year. And he's doing that 
a lot of the time. But other times he's missing on the easy stuff. So where are you with, with Myers? I think he's a guy where you could do a lot worse, but like Dylan, like DeGuara, you're not in a rush to say, man, we got to lock this guy up long-term. The Packers have spoken about being interested in his, his multi-position versatility. We haven't seen him anywhere but center, but long-term that could be a factor in what they want from him too. Jake Hansen, got to be done after this year. I mean, what are we even doing here? Why was he starting games earlier this year? That's something that we're going to talk about a lot after this season. Some of the in- internal evaluations on the offensive and defensive line for the Packers this year have been just atrocious, and it has cost the Packers games. And I don't know what that says about them as a team. What does it say about the coaches? What does it say about their their pro personnel people? But we were having serious, is Jake Hansen going to be a long-term starter conversations in training camp this year because of how the, the, the Packers were talking about him? And there was just no reason to be talking about that at all, either at the time, and we were clearly proven right since then. He is not a starting caliber offensive lineman, not even a backup caliber offensive lineman. Now, there were some extenuating factors to get him into that position, but he shouldn't have been out there. And I think we can pretty safely move on after this year. At guard, the picture is messy. John Runyon, I think, is a building block player. He's not perfect, but you can do a lot worse, and he's been steady through two seasons now. I think you just keep running it back year after year, and two years from now, when we're starting to talk contract, you you probably pay him starting guard money. The cap will have gone up by them significantly because of new TV money. I think you sign John Running and don't think about it too much. Elton Jenkins is a lot like Alan Lazard to me. He and Lazard are the biggest question marks on offense because in theory they can do a bunch bunch of things. In practice, we haven't seen all that much this year. Jenkins probably wants to be paid like a tackle, and he should. They make more money. Right now, coming back from injury, he's better at guard. And we've just passed the one-year mark for him, or we're just coming up to the one-year mark. Uh, of his injury. And we got to keep that in mind with all the evaluations at uh, concerning his future because it's been such a weird year for him and he, he may have come back a little bit too early from that knee injury, but if you, if you cleared him, if the doctor said he's good to go and the Packers are notoriously conservative with injuries like this, I don't know how you don't play him. And he seemed to think he could play and shoot, it just didn't work out earlier this season. He has been better since he switched back to guard, but where is he going to be next year? What is his body like next year? Nobody knows. So what do you do with him? Do you pay him top tier money? I think that's a a hard sell right now, but you're almost in a situation where you, you feel like you have to just on the off chance that he resumes his all pro form next year and turns out to be a fantastic tackle. It's tough. It's a it's a difficult conundrum, and I'm glad I don't have to solve it. Royce Newman, I think we're in wait-and-see mode. Short-term player for now. Credit to him for being available. Playing a ton of snaps last year and this year when they called upon him. He gave it his gosh darn best out there. It wasn't pretty, but he, he was out there and available for every week. There are guys that are that don't even reach that level. So I guess for Newman, good on you for that. Would like to see some different options there. I think if he 
you know, if, if the Packers injury situation the last couple of years was where they wanted it to be, we probably wouldn't even know all that much about Royce Newman right now because they, they wouldn't have needed him. And he wouldn't be threatening for a starting job if the Packers hadn't absolutely needed him to be out there. And maybe a spot starter or, or backup is, is where he needs to be in the short and long term. That hasn't been where he's been able to be for the last couple of years, just because, again, of the injuries. But maybe there is still value there in that sort of role. I don't know. I'm waiting and seeing uh, for the time being to see if he continues to improve or if he's he's able to improve. Sean Ryan, I think you got to think of him as a, a guy the Packers would, would move on from if his contract was ending at the end of this year. He has played precisely one snap all season. One snap on special teams hasn't even been on the field in offense, which is insane for a third-round pick, in his, even as a rookie. Normally, his contract alone would make him a building block, again, a third-round pick in the first year of his rookie deal. But we've just seen so little of him this year. I don't know what you can really think about him other than that you know they would try to replace him if they could because that's all the indications we've gotten from the Packers this year. And finally, Zach Tom. I think he's a building block sort of piece for the Packers. He has looked good enough in short snap and has enough athleticism and versatility. Yeah, he seems like he's in that category too. So you got Runyon and Tom as building blocks on the offensive line and the other three, the receivers, uh, elsewhere. In total, like I said, those five building block players, the rookie receivers, Zach Tom, John Runyon, 11 short-term guys, and seven guys that I would say for sure are done after this year. Toss in Aaron Rodgers, Elton Jenkins, and Alan Lazard as wild cards for this offense. And you can see why people are talking about a lot of turnover for the Packers heading into 2023. If you bump even, well, if you bump those three guys into the done after this year category, you've got almost half of your your offensive unit right now that won't be back with the Packers next year. And that's assuming that all those done after this year guys don't end up coming back. Probably at least one of them will. Uh, and, you know, you're going to get something working out with the Packers with Rodgers, Jenkins, and Lazard in some capacity. A couple of those guys are probably coming back. But you don't have a ton of guys here that you just are like, yes, here is our offensive core for four or five years from now. These are the guys that we want to be here four or five years from now. I suspect if you looked around the league, a lot of teams would sort of look this way too. But the Packers, I guess the point here is that they don't have much of a core right now because they don't really know where they're at. And they haven't, it seems like they haven't known for a couple of years whether to try to build around a young core or to try to keep jamming that window open. That falls a little bit on the, the front office. That falls a lot on the front office because they're the guys that decide whether or not they want to get things done in a given year. But um, it's a tough place to be. And they've got a lot of work to make this roster work for 2023. And there's a lot of stuff that's going to have to be done between now and the start of the 2023 season just to, to get this roster in, in sort of fighting shape. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would mean a lot to me if you would share it with someone else you think would enjoy it too because that's going to help more people find the show and it's going to get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.